0: you're listening to the bookkeepers podcast with the 6fb the weekly podcast for bookkeepers every week we'll be talking about what's new in the bookkeeping world and here are your hosts and founders of the six-figure bookkeeper joe wood and zoe whitman
1: hi and welcome to the bookkeepers podcast i'm zoe whitman i'm in bristol and i'm joined by joe wood in kent hi joe how are you
0: hi zoe yeah i'm great thank you really excited for today's podcast can't wait to get started Oh, me too.
1: Um, Today we're really excited to be joined by Catherine Morgan. Catherine is a financial coach, financial planner, and Catherine's come on to talk to us about how bookkeepers can become financially independent, how we can support our um, business owners with that, and um, how we can work on our own money mindset as well. So really excited to meet you, Catherine. How are you doing? Thank
2: you. Thank you for having me here today. Yeah, I'm really great. Like the sun is just about still shining over where I am. Uh, I'm I live in a little village just on the outskirts of Buckinghamshire in Milton Keynes, so it's just been a lovely couple of days. So yes, everything's always seems much happier when the sun is shining.
1: <laughs> it's much easier, isn't it? I definitely found that as well. Um we're really really excited to welcome you to the podcast, Kevin. Do you want to start by telling us a little bit about what you do?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, so I'm the founder of a business called The Money Panel and we created this business five years ago for really one main purpose and that was to inspire and equip a million women to be financially resilient and the reason that we created that business which just started off as a blog actually, I just started writing about my own relationship with money and what was I was really curious to was that although I've been in financial services since I was 18, my relationship with money was pretty terrible in my teenage years and into my twenties and actually into my early thirties. And I held a lot of guilt and shame around money. And I spent a considerable amount of time trying to kind of, well, first of all, trying to just bury my head in the sand and not really recognize what was happening and recognizing that I was using money as a way to make me feel better about myself. And we know that money is, you know, it's never about the money it's always about, you know, often the way that we treat money is the way that we treat ourselves. And so therefore, if our, the way that we feel about ourselves is not good enough, or we feel not fulfilled in life or not confident, then that's how we treat money. And that's how we treat everything in life as a, you know, a direct comparison and a direct link between those areas. And so for me, I, I went through my own personal journey, which perhaps I'll share with you today in my 20s, which really led me to a path of wanting to help more women to reduce financial anxiety, get rid of maybe some financial traumas that were holding them back and self-sabotaging their relationship with money. And then obviously teaching people all the practical aspects of how to, how to manage and grow their wealth. But most people always focus on the practical things first. How do I make more money? How do I keep more money? How do I, you know, invest more money? How do I budget? All of those kind of things, the practical sides of money, but if our relationship with money doesn't support the way that we feel and think about money in a positive way then we're never going to feel deserving to create it or keep hold of it or to give it freely to others so kind of create that flow if you like
0: yeah that's so interesting and and i think as well because like you said you've been in the financial industry since you were 18 and lots of us have you know as bookkeepers we we've had we would have had something to do with the finance, financial industry, and so, like you say, we're very much dealing with the practical element. And for us, bookkeepers, does the bank account reconcile? You know, has so and so paid their invoices? And also, we're very. I found myself, and you know, I'll be very open here as well that. I found myself, I'm amazing at telling other people what they should do and how they should run their business. Um, but in the past, I was rubbish at running my own business. And I think what lots of us do that because we focus in on the service we're giving. But actually what I've realized that the better I treat my business and the more effort I put onto my business and the financial well-being of my business, the better my business is and the better I serve my clients. But... I don't think I've got to the point, I know I'm not my, personally, I think of them as very different. So and sometimes I do hold shame and guilt around the fact like, who am I to tell people how to deal with their money, when personally, I've, I've, everything you've said, I have dealt with as well. So what is financial planning, compared to like, business finances what's the difference between you know all these these kind of the practical side and the planning side of finances
2: yeah so um let me before I answer that question let me just talk up a little bit about what you've just shared there Joe. because when we talk about money shame you know money shame is something that we many of us will really resonate with you know there's, there's quite a big difference between shame and guilt guilt is you know, shame is is something that we keep ourselves trapped in by the stories that we tell ourselves about money. So we label ourselves as, you know, I'm bad with money. I'm terrible at maths. I, you know, I'm terrible at managing money. I can't budget in my business. And as you said, Joe, sometimes we, you know, it's easier to give other people the advice than it is to follow it ourselves. And that's because we're not focusing, we're focusing on the behavior. We're not focusing on the thoughts and the emotions that sit behind it. So when we feel guilt and shame around money, it, this can kind of show up in several different ways. One is that we end up dishonoring our own boundaries um, and we maybe feel obligated to do things for the sake of others, yeah, you know, because that kind of judgment comes up. I want people to like me. I want to be loved. I want to feel connected. It's, you know, that's really a natural human behavior is to have that connection. I mean, goodness, we've really seen that recently during COVID 19. Um, It can show up as well in that we may be undercharged for our services or we over deliver in our businesses and we fall into kind of like servitude mode. You know, it's all about serving the client and then our own needs are not fulfilled or we maybe endure really unhealthy relationships or we put other people's needs before our own. And when we don't feel deserving We're not able to receive freely. And so working on your relationship with money is will really help you to absorb the financial information that you then learn, because let's face it, nobody teaches about, you know, no one teaches us how to manage money. We didn't learn it at school. Our relationship with money has grown up from the age of seven in that imprinting period where we were exposed to beliefs around money, messages about money. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. You have to work hard for money. You've got to work hard. You know, our teachers at school told us this. And we kind of, we are sponges at that age. And we sap up all that information. And we then carry it in like a belief bag. Like I always describe this as a bit like Father Christmas. We're kind of, we're, we're carrying all these beliefs in a li- like a little sack that we throw over our shoulder. And the brain takes all that information And it takes it as truth because the brain doesn't know how to differentiate between truth and non-truth. And so we end up fueling it with more information to confirm that we do have to work hard for money, um, that money doesn't grow on trees, that rich people are greedy, You know all these kind of beliefs that we carry about money. So in answer to your question, when we talk about financial planning, financial planning is very much about planning ahead very forward focused it's very much about okay what do I have in place is what I have enough but if you think about that word enough or financial security or financial independence all these words that we like to kind of use to describe how we want to feel with money um, if you think about that the planning involved is just the linear logical side of money it's the left brain side of money when we really have to operate from both sides of the brain we have to Feel good about money. Because from my experience, and this was going back years ago, if you have, you could have like the most rocking financial cash flow forecast in your business, and it looks amazing, and it, that may give you some sense of safety and security. But if your relationship with money is stuck in a self-worthiness around, I don't deserve to have money, I can't charge X for my businesses, I'm overgiving, I'm giving too much of my time away, rich people are greedy. What do you think is going to happen to that plan? like you're going to self-sabotage you're not going to follow the plan so for me this is where financial coaching comes in and when you blend coaching which is the behavioral work around the emotions around money how do we feel about money how are we thinking about money what are we telling ourselves about money you blend that with the planning that's when the magic happens it really is Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. I think there are probably lots of people
1: watching this thinking, oh, I've got all those feelings about. I mean, we've been talking a lot about putting prices up and we've been um, Go Proposal have been involved in one of our um, groups with our members of the Six Figure Bookkeepers, um, the Six Figure um, Six Month Success Programme. And Mm -hmm. we've been talking about raising prices. And Jo's done some work this week on her own pricing. And um, it just comes up so much, the feeling of, oh, Is it okay? Can I do this? Am I actually worth it? And um, I mean, even Joe and I, like I definitely come from a place of needing security. I bought my first house when I was 19 because I needed to be in control of the security, the roof over my own head. That was really important to me. And so risk around money is terrifying for me. And Joe and I mean, this, is funny because in our own, in our business, Joe and I, we both find that we even find it hard to spend money. So we had, we bought um, some new, some AirPods on there the other day and Joe was like, we just need to buy these because we actually just need this for what we're doing right now. Like it's so, it seems so silly when you think of it like that, but we definitely have money blocks that come up. And for our bookkeepers who are facing these kind of blocks about well. everyone's telling me I should put my prices up, but I don't think I'm good enough or experienced enough or have been in the industry, or there will be someone better than me. Um, How can they, where can they start? Like, what's the best way to address this kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, I think think there's almost two sides to this. There's like the practical aspect of, well, how much are you charging? What are your competitors charging? Where does your value proposition sit within the clients that you're serving? You know, there is a practical side of charging. What I, I'm not a massive believer in, you know, people say charge your worth, yeah? Like if you Google charge your worth, there's tons of blogs and things that will come up to say, this is how you should charge your worth. But the problem with that is if your worthiness is low, you're never going to charge your worth. And also your, the way that we feed about ourselves it is, should be detached from money. So what I mean by that is that, if let's say you have your relationship with money is that rich people are greedy and therefore you don't feel deserving to have money or, well, if I have the wealth, that means other people can't, like, that's another really big money block. Um, if we, if we take that money belief, which will be, you know, core, is this is a belief that you've been carrying for many, many years, but it's an inherited belief, right? So it's probably not true. But if you take that belief and you base what you charge then there's there's a discrepancy there because also what we don't value high enough I don't think is time there's a direct correlation mm. between how we value our time and how we value what we're doing in our businesses so anytime someone comes to me and says like I'd love to work with you I don't think about charging my worth I think about okay so what outcomes can I get for the client and what would I be doing with my time if I wasn't working with that client? So if it's an hour on a podcast interview, for example, I think, okay, so that hour is, is an hour away from my my two boys. What's that worth to me? Like time is something you can't get back again. You can't yeah. print your time. You can't put a monetary value on time, but you can put a monetary value on what is important to you in your life. What makes you feel aligned with intuitively just what feels right so sometimes with pricing it is a bit of a test like you have to play a little bit sometimes I think well I'm gonna I'm gonna charge this but then you've got to you know consistently check in with yourself around how does it feel for you how does it feel for your clients are you asking your clients like how do they feel about your pricing structure looking at what your competitors are doing so there is a practical side to this but for me personally, I think the biggest thing that we can do for ourselves is just to really sit back and think about how do I feel about money? Mm. What did I hear about money growing up? What lessons did I learn from my parents or my grandparents? And how are those lessons supporting me? Like re- like rewind that and write those questions down and then journal around those questions because there will be a direct correlation between our beliefs and the action in that what we take based on those beliefs
0: yeah and that is so true because I've I've realized one of these recently so I growing up I'm the eldest of five and um, my stepdad lost his job when I was about I think I was about nine and so we were on the dole at the time and I remember, you know, it was really tough and everyone, you know, they looked down the noses at my mom and my d- stepdad because it was like, well, they've got five children, you know, and they're obviously struggling. So it was very much around. And I felt like we felt poor. And that's a really, and like you say, at that age is really hard to um you and you learn a lot of things and you hear things i remember somebody one of the girls over the road we had to stop going to dancing lessons and my mum said it was because the petrol was costing us too much and mm-hmm. one of my friends over the road her mum worked out how much it would cost my mum in petrol and then told my mum and said like it's only going to cost you this are you joking you can't send her and i was like it there was so mm-hmm. much negativity around not having money, but also what was really, truly came in. Then I saw my mum start going to she was fruit picking, working in pubs of an evening. And for me, it was like, you have to work so hard, and she was always tired. You have to work hard, and it's got to be hard to bring money in. and that was a belief. Mm-hmm. so so that is a definite block. and i I really suffer with burnout in the fact that I work myself so hard. And then I crash. And I do this about six times a year. And I know that this is from this. But how do I start unpicking this belief?
2: Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. Like, I think that would be really, uh, yeah, it's really important to recognize that actually just to share that in itself can be quite difficult. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure lots of people will really resonate with that overworking, undercharging mentality, that, that kind of behavior. And, and if you think about it, money is about three things. It's about how comfortable we feel to receive, number one, how comfortable we feel to retain, number two, and how comfortable we feel to give, number three. So write those three things down if you're listening to this. Receiving money comfortably does require some kind of vulnerability, um, and it requires you to kind of pause and establish, you know, what are you doing uh, you know, who are you allowing in? Who are you not allowing in? You know, we we have to allow money to flow. And in order to receive that flow, there has to be room for expansion, which, which means kind of really focusing on supporting your needs first. And I know for a lot of people, when they hear that, they'll be like, well, but I have kids, like I'm a mom, my kids needs come first. And if you think about the particularly for women, we, we suffer from this kind of overgiving relationship with money, and it's actually referred to psychologically as fawning. So many of you will have heard of fight, flight, fight or flight. Um, but fawning is something that happens when the brain wants to keep you safe. So for you, Joe, that message that I have to work hard, the reason that message is there is because it's it's helping to make you feel safe. It's protecting you away from feeling pain, the pain of, well, if I'm not working hard, I'm not going to have enough money. And so that plays into more of like a scarcity mindset and not enoughness mindset. And whilst you're stuck in that mindset, you will continue the same path of going into burnout. And then you get into burnout and then you're like, oh, I'm never going to do this again. I'm going to create some really strong boundaries for myself. And then the same thing just happens again and again and again. So one of the things that you can think about is rather than working away from pain, find yourself a motivator of something that you can work towards. And this is like really relevant for your clients as well. If they're running businesses and you're doing their bookkeeping and their accounts, you know, having conversations with them about what are they working towards? How can you help them through their numbers, understanding all the the key numbers in their business to be working towards something that means something that's motivating rather than something that's coming away from pain. So most of us, we set financial goals based on coming away from pain. So for example, Um, I'll I'll use a non money uh, example, actually. So we sit on a couch on a Sunday night and we say to ourselves, I need to lose a stone. I've put some lockdown weight on, you know, I need to go on a diet tomorrow morning. It starts and kind of the intention is there to move away from the pain of being overweight. And then Monday morning comes and if we're lucky, we start the diet or we start an exercise routine and, and then maybe we lose the weight. But then what happens is the the pain is gone the weight has gone so then we just the brain sort of communicates to us and says oh so you're safe now you're you're fine and so it just re- repeats the same cycle you get back into you know putting the weight back on again so that you can feel the pain to then be motivated again C- can you see that so when we think about um Going back to your question, when we think about um, money being those three things, one of the fastest ways to get better with your relationship with money is to practice being being more generous with yourself, giving yourself time out of your business, being able to bring in a virtual assistant or an ops manager or someone that can support you in your business so that you're not spending all your time in your business, because, of course, one of the other challenges is when you spend too much time in your business, you can't work on your business, so maybe you could just be gently stretching that comfort zone for yourself so that if you recognize that you're a hard worker and you go through these cycles of overwhelm, well, first of all, where does that come from? Where does that belief come from? And is it really true? Where's the evidence to support that belief? Where's the evidence to support the opposite belief that you don't have to work hard to, to, to earn money? And gently just try and you know stretch your behaviors to be more um, supportive of what would it need to look like so that you're not going into burnout this is uh, this is incredible
1: and I think that there are probably a lot of people watching or listening who are thinking oh my goodness that's me and actually maybe there's something I need to do here to shift out because I think when people start to a business, a bookkeeping business, or any business. So any of the business owners we're working with, as well, they feel like they have to do, like you have to work all the time,
2: and you just have to do, you know, go all the time. So, um, yes. What's interesting about that belief, I think, is that I reckon most of us carry that belief, right? We have to work hard, mainly because that's, yeah, you know, we're taught that at school. We have to work harder to, you know, get get good quality, yeah, good qualifications, good exam results. But if you look at our um, history. You know, British history, uh, I'm just using, I I don't know if any of your podcast listeners and YouTube watchers are international, but from a British culture perspective, um, you know, it's in our DNA that to be the hunter gatherers, you know, and, and, and gender diversity around us is a really interesting subject. Um, You know, men are perceived to be the hunter gatherers and women are perceived to be the givers, the caregivers, the homemakers. And that in itself can cause massive disparity and disagreements around money in the household. And I'll share a really interesting fact with you, actually. We we are attracted to somebody who has the complete opposite relationship to money with us. Um, So if you're sitting there thinking, well, I want to sort out my finances, but my partner can't be bothered to even talk about it. That's very likely the reason why. And if you can sit down and have a really nice Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning cup of tea conversation about what did you learn about money growing up? Well, I learned that money doesn't grow on trees. What did you learn? Well, I learned this. Ah, now I understand why we argue about money. Because there's no right or wrong. It's just that we've been imprinted with these beliefs. Um, And in British history, if you didn't have land or title, you had no value in society. And so what do we do? We end up on this cycle, this treadmill of work, 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 because that's what makes us feel valued. And it's what makes us feel like we're safe and we are enough and we have enough. But really, we know life's not about how much money we have. Life is about the opportunities, the freedom that we create for ourselves, the time, the relationships we have with our families. You know, so money is just a, we, we, give, we give money a lot of power, we give it a lot of power. Um, when actually, if you think about it, money is just a physical—you know—it's a piece of paper. We give it so much power. Even on, you know, if you look at the the British pound, the the, the five pound note or ten pound note, the the status that we give it with the queen on there, and you know, it even the American dollars, you know, with the president. And we give it a lot of power. We give it a lot of power. So it's time to take that power back.
1: Can I ask you about? And um, so we do we do business owners do focus in on earning money for right now and i think that a lot of what people are doing in business is about how much am i going to earn this year what's my tax bill going to be this year what do i need to pay the tax man when my tax is due so we're Mm. really focused on right now what can we do to start focusing more on the wealth creation that's that's an important part of how we can spend more time with our families and the stuff that's a bit more important how do we change that? How can we make yeah.
2: conversations? Great question. There's such a big difference, isn't there, between profit and wealth. And I mean, I'm a big believer in I follow a, a kind of simplified version of profit first in my business. Um, but the principle of profit first, if you haven't come across that, is is really about mental accounting. It's about putting money in different pots. So, from a practical perspective, you know, I've I already know I've got X amount in my VAT part, I've got X amount in my tax part, I've got my pension part, it's there, you know, it's not mine, it's not my money. And actually, it makes me feel better about paying it away then to the tax man. Um, because often people hate that. They hate the fact they have to pay tax. And it's like, well, what is that telling you about your relationship with money? I find that really interesting. So for me, you know, we do want to be focusing on on what profit are we paying ourselves as owners? And that's very linked into your relationship with money. Um, but we also need to think about wealth creation, and wealth creation, the word wealth in itself actually has nothing really to do with with money, it's all to do with prosperity and well-being, Um, so in all areas of our life, and so one of the things I think we can get better at is to think about, well, money is one part of our well-being and and wealth creation, but how are you creating wealth in your life? So, for example, if you're taking profits from your business, what are you doing with those profits? Um, how, how do we how do we use money in order to make us feel fulfilled? So, one of the things that we talk about is um giving every pound a purpose, you know, and, and asset creation isn't just about wealth, it's about, you know, it is about, you know. Am I going to build a property empire have a property portfolio of stock you know stocks and shares portfolio it is the practical side as well but wealth creation is very much about how are you building assets you know i hate to use that word assets but a lot of people recognize that word assets how are we building that shift towards um bringing our life into a position where we have you know, freedom, freedom of time. We're not working in our businesses seven days a week, for example. That is that's wealth that we're creating. What assets are we creating, maybe digital assets or things that can be generating revenue when we're not working? You know, more passive or semi-passive income streams. Um, so I think in answer to your question, Zoe, it's really about thinking about, well, what is it that we're creating? What do we need to create? For our own well being, not anybody else's. You know, often we go into comparisonitis, don't we? Oh, this is what so and so is doing. And I want them to like me. I want to be loved. So I'm going to do what they say, or I'm going to follow my next door neighbor because they look like they're running a very happy life and live in this magical house. And, you know, we just, again, it's that whole imposter syndrome that creeps up. And this is where fawning, just referring back to what I was talking about earlier you know, fawning is, is very much linked to the perfectionist, that inner critic that comes up to say, Oh, hey, like, we want life to be perfect. So this is how you should be building wealth. Um, and actually doesn't really focus on our well being at all. Yeah, that's so, so
0: true. I I heard a saying, I'm gonna get it wrong, but some, something about like, we spend our young life, uh, forsaking our health to build wealth, and then we spend our later life, Spending all our wealth on our health because we haven't looked after ourselves, and it's always kind of stuck yeah. with me. Like, wow, that is so true. We we do, and and I'm doing it, and I really want to want to learn. And I know that I've now managed to build a great bookkeeping practice because I have implemented the skills and what I rather than talking the talk, I have I've done exactly what I usually say in in my business, and now it's working, and that really helps. I mean, no one wants to have a, a bookkeeper who can't manage their own business because, and but this is what we found, Zoe, wasn't it? We found, and this is why we've built this group is that we found that bookkeepers trained and they understood it, but no one told them that they were going to become a business owner by starting mm. a practice because you get it a practice, you're just servicing other people. You are just there at the other people's beck and call. You're not running a business yourself. And that's what we realized that no one's taught us. So this is why we've, do what we do we're like you are business owners you've got to become the best business and then you can really help your clients better but this side of things really interests me because I'm not there yet but I know that if I can get there personally with creating some wealth and security that would help my health because I wouldn't be in burnout but also Mm -hmm. what an amazing thing for my clients if I can add that as a not something that i can teach because i don't know it but just talk and discuss and have those conversations because i i i know how it's impacted myself i just think we we are so lucky in the industry that we're in that we get to have those conversations and and i think this is something we need to learn of ourselves first so that we can share exactly oh, what we're doing 100%
2: it's it's really interesting you mentioned that joe because so we have a a certification financial coaching certification program And we've had accountants and financial planners and financial professionals come through it. And the biggest impact hasn't actually been about learning the skills to incorporate financial coaching into their businesses, into their services. It's been the transformations with their own relationship with money. You know, we've had um, people double their fees. Lots of people do that. Actually, we've had people buying houses in France, like because they've really understood that oh my goodness, I've not been charging enough in my business or I've not been doing the things that I really want to be doing because I feel like I don't deserve it. Because maybe, like I'll use an example of a lady who bought this house in France for this last year. I say with us, like not with us, but <laughs> I'm hoping to get an invite there. Um, you know, but, but the belief that she carried was that because her mum was irresponsible with money, she felt she had to be responsible with money. And so therefore, the way that she treated money was to hoard it. And she'd had, she'd hoard it in cash. She wouldn't take risks. She wouldn't invest it. She's a financial planner, right? So she knows she should be investing it. But she wasn't for herself because she didn't feel deserving of doing that for herself. And through the program, so we coach people like in the modalities that we teach to go through it yourself before you teach it with your clients. And we coached her through it. And literally, she sent us this photograph of this amazing, like massive house in France that she bought. And, you know, for her, it was so life-changing. And I think you're exactly right, Joe. We have to be able to recognize our own beliefs as accountants, as bookkeepers, as financial professionals, to then be able to leave those beliefs at the door. And when we can leave our beliefs at the door, we're then free to explore the client's relationship with money so that then all the advice that you're giving them sticks. But not only does it stick, but they're never going to come back to you because they're back in debt or they're not giving to their own needs or having strong boundaries for themselves or overworking and getting into overwhelming their businesses because you've helped them to facilitate change with their behaviours. Can we talk about the idea of
1: abundance? So um we, I, I've got, um my husband's got these, I don't know, I can't remember what you call these, Joe, these cards. They've got like Aff- little
0: things, affirmation, affirmation
1: cards, thank you. So um he like he got these cards and I've got one stuck on my desk that says opportunity and abundance is all around me. Ah. And um and I think sometimes we think that uh there's only a, we've said this sort of earlier on, there's only like a certain amount of money around and mm-hmm. and people feel like and, and I think actually that's part of the reason we built the bookkeepers community because we felt that anyone who had learned how to build a successful bookkeeping practice wasn't going to share it. They weren't going to share how they were doing it because if they did that, everyone else would steal all their clients. Yeah. And we were like, no, there were loads of businesses out there. Actually businesses need us more than ever right now. A, the better way for Joe and I to help the wider business community is to help other bookkeepers to help them because um, w- if we can share what we know and help people grow businesses, they can, you know, that sort of go, go goes forward. And, um, I've And one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, you know, how can we help our business owners to feel like, you know, there is money around them and that they are in control and they can stop worrying mm. about it?
2: Yeah, great question. Goodness, I could talk about this alone for probably an hour. I think I think from a practical perspective, step back and do a helicopter view of your life and your finances because often we don't we don't feel grateful for what's right in front of our eyes and you know often we get so stuck in the granular detail of what's in my bank account right now and we forget that we've we're sitting in a property perhaps that's got a 50% mortgage on it or we've got a 20,000 pound car on the driveway or we've got watches and jewelry that we've been you know we've inherited perhaps or we've purchased ourselves or you know, we have this abundance of, you know, really abundance is about more than enoughness. That's really what, you know, when if you take the less woo-woo side of abundance, which some people don't really connect with, um, it's about that more than enoughness mindset or the opportunity mindset. So sometimes when you take a step back, like a helicopter view of your life, um, and, you know, practicing gratitude, expressing gratitude every single day, I find that's more productive for me than Um, Affirmation cards, although I have affirmation cards like on my desk in front of me, um, I find that gratitude exercises work better for me because I can really focus on well, I might be reading an abundance card that may say, I deserve, I serve, but what is going to support that from a practical linear left brain perspective as well? So it depends on whether you're left or right brain uh, dominant, actually. Um, But if you're creative, abundance cards are very good because they're very visual. But if you're more linear left brain side, very factual, very, you know, very, um, you like facts and figures, which I'm sure many of your audience potentially may be left brain dominant because that's why they do their jobs. They love, you know, they love analyzing numbers and things like that. Um, Then actually to do more of the practical aspects of abundance work, I think is really important. So identifying what do you have an abundance of in your life? It could be your health. My health is fantastic. It could be your relationships. It could be where you live, Um, you know, little things like that that can just activate the mind into being more grateful, I guess, for what already exists, rather than feeling like we have to create more all the time. Because you're absolutely right, Zoe. There is an abundance of everything available to us. It depends on where our intentions sit as to how we create that. I'm just going to say that again. So the it's the intention. When we put intentions out, we can activate anything you know but it's the intention that we have to give out um in order to then receive i love
0: that and I, I and i know that for me um i like i love reading an affirmation card and it gives me like i'm like oh yeah but for me practically i need to practice um gratitude and i start that every day in the morning and I, my first time was very much in the shower. I just said, oh, wow, you know, I've got nice hot water. I'm so lucky, you know, I can get clean. Even today I did it, And I, but it's a, it has to become a habit. So today I opened up a cupboard to make my daughter's lunch. And we had a loaf of bread and another half of a loaf of bread. And I was like, wow, we've got so much food. Like, you know, yeah. when... Just those little things, and I've realised that that is not no longer a problem for me. It's another good idea when we can travel or when we can go on aeroplanes. I look out the window. I'm like, wow, this world is massive. There is so much opportunity. There are so many people, especially when you go to a busy city or you know, not not that we've done this for a while, but you know, watch a film and you think, oh my goodness, look how many people there are. Look at a train like Grand Central Station. Like how many? There's just so much. Of everything out there and I think but that does take practice isn't it it's like those you have to kind of switch Mm. off that you know there's not enough and that's something I think I've with gratitude and practicing it in that actually seeing right I can prove I'm very lucky I've got a MacBook Air in front of me and I'm really proud and I've got my AirPod Pros and I'm really proud of that and but to keep being thankful for those not just to say it once but just to keep remembering wow I'm so lucky and I love that you said as well it's not just about those kind of things it's about maybe it's a case that you've seen family and you've had I saw my friends on Friday one of my friends we went out and my friend started crying because we haven't seen each other and she was just so overwhelmed with happiness to be with us and we had such a good giggle and I was like I feel on cloud nine, just by sitting around a table and having a giggle with my friends, because it's been so long. And it's those kind of things we need to recognize when things are good and be and say thank you for it. Because what we mm. what we're grateful for, we will receive more of that's what I believe. And I know that's a little bit more woo woo. But that's, you know, it's something that I practice and I and I now, I now believe it to be true.
2: Yeah, I, I, I really agree with that. I also think that sometimes before we can express gratitude, we have to do a bit more internal work around forgiveness and forgiveness of ourselves, self-forgiveness and forgiveness of others. Because for me personally, like I carried a lot of shame around money as I briefly sort of mentioned earlier. And I lived in debt in the whole of my twenties and it wasn't until we nearly lost my second son at five weeks old to meningitis that my whole life changed. And I had to go back and practice a lot of self-forgiveness around decisions that I'd made, like financial decisions that I felt trapped, that, oh gosh, that was a terrible decision to buy this house and then the markets collapsed and you know, all these things that happened. Um, I had to do a lot of self-forgiveness first. And I think sometimes when we let go, we can then feel better about and more positive about going into gratitude work. Sometimes we're not ready for that. Sometimes We need to practice more forgiveness, self-forgiveness, or forgiveness of others before we practice gratitude.
1: I think we're all really hard on ourselves, actually, because like hearing you say that's like, say, you giving yourself a hard time because you'd bought a house at the wrong time that you couldn't have possibly (laughs) predicted. To me, look on the other, you know, if you were having a conversation with your friend, or it's like, what how could you have possibly known like that don't be so crazy like you know yeah. but we are we do tell ourselves these awful like you're so stupid mm. and you know all of that stuff and and we do need to start changing those kind of messages um
2: mm.
1: what can we do so I, I'm really conscious of your time Catherine and, but I'd love to ask you another question before we wrap up if that's okay sure. um how can we encum- how can we work on being more financially independent ourselves so if we can work on our mindset what are the things we should focus on and and what are the messages we should be sharing with our the business owners we work with that can help them be more financially independent
2: so I think financial independence is a big subject because there's kind of layers to it there's stages to it and I think if I was to share one piece of information or one tip if you like to kind of get started around this subject I think it would be to really understand what does that word mean to you what does financial independence mean to you because financial independence for me is very different to Joe and to Zoe, you know to Zoe so um, I would take that word write it down in the middle of your piece of paper and brainstorm what does that mean for you what do you need to give up what do you need to let go of what do you need to create for yourself? And that could be creating more time, it could be creating more assets in your business, building your team, um, upskilling yourself, it might be that you want to, for example, add financial coaching into your repertoire and, and use that to help your clients and help you to stand up as a, you know, an accountant or a bookkeeper that's offering this, you know, very sort of up and coming side of behavioural, behavioural finance, you know, and, and kind of be a, a disruptor, I guess, in your in your niche. It, so I think it's really about understanding what does that word mean to you? What's stopping you from reaching that financial independence? But also remembering that financial independence is not something that's created overnight. There are stages to it. And the first stage is getting out of a place of um, insecurity to a place of security or stability. And if any of you have never come across the work of Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs talks about this very matter you know and you can apply the whole wealth financial independence journey to that framework that before we reach financial freedom and self-actualization which is what maslow refers to it as in a non-financial capacity is we have to bring our our foundations into a position of strength and i don't just mean practically how much money do we need to have um, but also how do how do we meet our psychological needs so um, you know that may mean stepping away from your business for a period of time it may be not launching your next um, online course for example or your next service proposition for your clients um, and when you're, once you're in a place of stability it's then about moving from stability to growth and then growth to freedom and independence but it goes in stages so don't compare yourself to everybody else Think about what stage are you at and what are the next small steps that you need to take to work towards that? Amazing. I think that
1: everyone should go and write that independence on the page and do (laughs) that brainstorming this afternoon and, uh, yeah, see what comes up because I think it's only setting aside some time to work through that stuff where you go, oh, I didn't even realise that was important for me. Um, so really excited to hear what the keepers in the community have to say about that. Um, Catherine, thank you so much. I've learned so much from you this afternoon. I know that Joe's nodding away and thank I know you. That everyone yeah. listening has. Um, do you want to tell
2: us where we can find out more about what you do and how we can connect with you? Yeah, sure. So if if financial coaching is something that you're curious to, perhaps for yourself, or something that you want to think about, you know, integrating into your business, we we do run free masterclasses every month. Actually, um, so you can just come and follow us on um, on our website, themoneypanel.co.uk, and you can register for one of our free masterclasses if you just click on the financial coaching training um tab on the website um or you can come and listen to our podcast we are also a podcaster too so in her financial shoes is our uh top one percent global podcast which we're very proud of um so by yeah any of those channels or you know any of the other social media channels perfect that's amazing thank you so much we'll make sure that we
1: link to all of that in the show notes as well so everybody can find those links thank um, and thanks so much when- for having me Our absolute pleasure. And anyone who hasn't connected with us, come and join us on Facebook in the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club. It's our free community of bookkeepers. We'd love to see you over there. And we will see you next week for another podcast. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye. Don't forget to join us every week on the Bookkeepers Podcast, the top of bookkeeping chat. Why not join our free Facebook group, the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, or visit us at sixfigurebookkeeper.com.